Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. It is good to see everybody. It's good to be back uh, here. Welcome to Take Me Back Sunday. So happy to have everybody here with us worshiping today. Um, I have been so stinking excited for this day. We've been looking forward to this pretty much all summer. Um, it's funny. We were talking to my girls. I've got three kids, uh, but my two girls, they're the oldest ones, Eden and Evelyn. They're seven and five. And we were telling them, we're like, hey, tomorrow's a big day at church. It's Take Me Back Sunday. And we're telling them there's the inflatable and there's food and all this different stuff. They were getting so excited about it. Um, they went and grabbed pens and paper and they started coloring. And Eden, it was so sweet. She was like, hey, I'm coloring a picture of you, Daddy. I'm, I'm doing a picture of you. I'm like, oh, my goodness, that's so sweet. And she goes, yeah, I'm drawing a picture of you preaching. I'm like, oh, my gosh, right? Cue the, aww, right? Um, it was so, so sinking cute. I had to bring it in. It was really cute until she finished it. So what you're about to see... <laughs> And it's very, I mean, it's, it's spot on, man. She's got the lights, like she's got the lights in it and everything like that. She's got the pulpit, like all of it. She's even got people standing out here. Um, so here I am uh, delivering the word of God. And I don't know, online you might be able to see because they're probably zooming in or something. But um, what I'm preaching, the, the word that I'm bringing says, God says we need to fart. Um, <laughs> This little cloud that says, represents the fart. And then I say, oops. And as, <laughs> and as, if, that's, <laughs> as if that's not enough, she drew a picture of her mom, um, the ever-supportive pastor's wife, saying, he's right, fart. <laughs> so, that's her shouting me down in the audience, like, amen, fart, bring it, bring it. <laughs> um, <laughs> So we were excited. We were very excited in the young household yesterday for, t- for today. Um, and again, what, what really the, the rationale behind this, what, what we were even thinking as we were planning this is um, we were kind of inspired by the Cleveland Indians, as a matter of fact. Uh, whenever they had their opening day back in April, um, it was still mask mandates. It was still only like 10,000 people allowed in the stadium. So the opening day was pretty underwhelming, right? It was like, oh, yeah, well, it's opening day, but it doesn't really feel like it. Well, once the mask mandate started to come down and once, the, you know, you could have a full stadium again, they decided to do an opening day 2.0. They had an opening day 2.0 at the stadium because it could be full and everything like that, and it was great. And so we're like, well, you know, that would be kind of nice for us because whenever we brought this thing back, we were all kind of trickling in at different points, people feeling more comfortable coming back in person, people getting the vaccines and being able to come back. So we thought, you know, it would be nice to just have a day like this where we can all come back and celebrate how faithful God has been to us in the midst of this pandemic. And he has been faithful, hasn't he? Man, he's seen us through. Yes, absolutely. He, he has seen us through this whole way. He has been so faithful, so good, so generous to us. And I'm believing today is kind of the start of a new chapter here at Cornerstone in a lot of ways. I believe that um, we've got some really exciting stuff coming up uh, in the next weeks, in the next months. Um, We've got 
uh, C group signups starting here soon. If you haven't been involved in a C group before, um, they're incredible here at Cornerstone getting into community. Those are coming up uh, pretty soon. Uh, we've got exciting, exciting, exciting updates about our Here and Now campaign, our building campaign to renovate and to add on. Those are going to be coming in the next weeks. Uh, these just really exciting updates. Another thing, um, we're, we're just announcing this today for the first time. We're actually getting ready to add a third service. Um, it's going to be, uh, yeah, pretty exciting, right? Um, and here's the crazy thing. And if you're an MP, you're a volunteer, and you're going, wait, I didn't sign up for that. Don't worry. We know you didn't, all right? Um, but the, sat- the service is actually going to be a Saturday night service, a Saturday 5 o'clock service most likely. Um, and so if that's something that you're like, oh, well, I like that. I like the idea of coming and sleeping in, having Sunday brunch or something like that. Maybe that's something for you. Maybe your work schedule. If you're someone who joins us online uh, because you're never able to come in person, maybe that's a perfect opportunity for you. But until we are able to expand this facility, we're needing that room. We're needing that room. Um, but man, there are exciting days ahead, exciting days coming. God just continues to do things here at Cornerstone, and I can't wait to see what else he has. Also, so not only is today exciting because it's Take Me Back Sunday and all this stuff is coming up, this is an exciting day because exactly one year ago today was Pastor Brenda Young's retirement service at Cornerstone. So we are... We're exactly one year past that, and Pastor Brenda, we are still living in the blessing of having you as our leader for all of these decades. We're still living in the overflow of your faithfulness, and so we just want to take a moment to honor you for everything you've done. And as we said a few weeks ago, it's amazing we're a year past that, and the church hasn't burned down, so we're... (laughs) (laughs) We keep trucking, right? We keep trucking. Uh, Well, today, today we have this brand new series. You heard a little bit about it if you were listening to the uh, pre-Silent Symphony, When God Goes Quiet. And essentially, our thesis statement, or I guess it would be better to call it a thesis question, not just for today, but for the next two weeks as well, our thesis question that's going to frame this entire series is, why does God go quiet? Why does God go quiet? It's something that Christians have wondered forever. (laughs) If you read scripture, you will see plenty of verses throughout the Psalms, plenty of verses in in the book of Lamentations, uh, plenty of verses all throughout the prophets uh, of people wondering, like, God, why are you quiet? Why aren't you talking? Why aren't you communicating? It feels like you're so distant from me. This is not a new thing that we just feel nowadays. This is something that believers and followers of God have experienced throughout history. The feeling that God has gone quiet. And one of the reasons it can be so confusing for us, one of the reasons that God's silence can be so unsettling uh, is because whenever we we look at Scripture and we look at history, uh, we see how loud God can be, (laughs) right? There was nothing quiet about splitting the Red Sea, was there? Pretty loud, Pretty obvious that God was in the midst of this, that God was moving, that God was working. I mean, he, he split the sea, and that came after the ten plagues of Egypt, when he just did all kinds of signs and wonders and all of these things that were so abundantly clear that God's talking, God's moving, God is present. So if God is unchanging, which we discussed just a few weeks ago uh, in, in our last series This idea that God is immutable and he's unchanging and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If God is unchanging, why did he used to be so loud in a lot of ways, like the Red Sea, 
Um, he rained fire from the sky, dead people coming back to life. Why, why was he so loud? But now it feels like he's so quiet. Now it feels like, man, was that you, God? I don't know. Or was that like pizza I had last night? Or was that the no sleep that I got? Was that me talking to myself? Is that you, God? Why are you so quiet? Why are you quiet when it comes to my health? I have been praying, and I have been praying for a breakthrough. I've been praying for something to change so I can start feeling better, so I can get back to where I was, and I see nothing. Why are you so quiet? Why are you so quiet when it comes to my family relationships? Man, things are, I don't know if you've noticed, God, but things are falling apart. (laughs) We used to be doing really good, and then we kind of, so we're cordial, and now, man, we just can't even stand being around each other. Things are broken. I don't know how we're going to do holidays anymore. And, And you're the God that parted the Red Sea? But you can't fix this relationship? Why are you so quiet? Are you not hearing me? God, I'm trying to institute healthy habits in my life. I'm trying to read scripture more. I'm trying to do all these things. And I ask for your help. I ask for you to deliver me from temptation to not fall into these old bad habits. Yet I keep on doing it and you feel so distant. Why are you so quiet? God looks pretty quiet on the world stage too, doesn't he? Right? I mean, we're, we're seeing COVID cases shoot up all over the place again. The, the whole situation in Afghanistan, you cannot watch the news without crying. If you have a heart, you cannot watch the news and the stories that are coming out of Afghanistan and not have your heart just broken at the desperation that is going on over there. And you look at this and you go, God, why are you so quiet? Where are you in this? Where are you in this? Why aren't you speaking the way that you used to. So if that is you, and if you are someone who you are struggling with silence, either on the global stage or on the personal stage, maybe it's both, maybe there's multiple areas in your life where you feel like God is just so quiet right now, I wanna let you know today is for you and the next few weeks are for you. I really believe that God, through, through the scriptures we're gonna be studying, I really believe he has something he's wanting to say to us to help us in these moments when we feel like we are struggling in the silence. He has something he wants to say to us. And so I hope that you will walk with us the next few weeks. I hope that even if today you came here because someone pretty much forced you to come here, right? They kidnapped you this morning. They threw you in your car and like, look, save me back Sunday. You got to come with me. I can't show up alone, right? They won't let me back into the church if I come in alone. If you're here just for that... I want to make a personal ask of you today. If you're watching online and you decide today, I want to make a personal ask. Make the decision right now that you will be here this week, next week, and the week after that, at least to finish out this series, because we can't cover everything in one day. We just can't. We can't cover everything in one day, and I promise you, what we're going to be talking about, if you are someone struggling with silence, God is going to speak to you in the next weeks if you make the time to put yourself in a position where he will speak to you, all right? So if you would, let me pray for you and let's hop in to the service today. Heavenly Father, again, we know that you, you have power in your word, that when your word goes out, it never returns void. It accomplishes what it sets out to do, and we know that your word changes lives, and it changes our life. And so that's what we ask today, God, is that we wouldn't just be hearers of the word, but that we would take what your scripture says to us today and that we would apply it in our lives so that we can see change happen. As we talked about last week, that we can become a little Christ in the situations that we find ourselves in, that we can be more like your son Jesus in our marriage, in our friendships, in our workplace, at school, that we can emulate him in the way we think, speak, and act. 
So God, help us to put away any distractions today that would keep us from hearing from you so we can be present right here and right now. We love you so much, Father, and we pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you have a Bible or you don't, if you have a phone app and you want to follow along, we're going to be in the book of Esther today, the book of Esther, Esther chapter 3. I'm going to give you a little bit of background um, on where we're going to be jumping into this scripture today. So this story takes place about 100 years after the fall of one of the kingdoms of Israel. It's the kingdom of Judah. They have fallen to the Babylonian empire. They, they sinned against God and God allowed them to be uh, overthrown. Uh, they've been taken captive. The, the temple was destroyed. Just everything went, went bad, went completely bad for the nation of Israel in this moment. So they've fallen and the book of Esther takes place about 100 years after that. And it's so far in the future that the empire that overtook the Israelites, that empire has fallen. The Babylonian empire has now fallen. They've fallen to the Persian empire. They've completely overthrown them, and they've actually allowed some of the Israelites, some of the Jewish people, to return back to their homeland. Um, and some, uh, some of them have done that, but a few of them have decided to stay where they have been in exile this whole time. And the, the, the namesake for the book that we're going to be studying today, Esther, is one such person. Esther is a, a Jewish young woman who is in uh, Persia living in this situation. And she's not there alone. She's with her cousin, Mordecai. He has basically served as a father figure for her. Both of her parents have died. And so her older cousin, Mordecai, he's looking after her and he is taking care of her in the midst of this exile as they're living in this foreign country uh, under foreign pagan rule. And so during this time, the king, the leader of the Persian empire is a man by the name of Xerxes, King Xerxes. He's in charge. And whenever we look at the book of Esther, whenever we look at chapters one and two, we see that he has a queen named Queen Vashti who uh, displeases him um, pretty much for silly reasons. But hey, he's the king and he can kind of do whatever he wants. So he decides, I'm done with you. I'm casting you aside, and I'm going to look for a new king, someone else to take your place. And so he essentially issues like an American Idol contest, like a, a Miss, Miss Persia contest for the entire country to find his replacement queen. And so all of the young women that are living there, they, they are put into this, including Esther. Esther is one of these women, and she's a beautiful woman. She's very beautiful. God uh, uh, blessed her in that way. He blessed her with just a, a winsomeness about her, too, just a quality that just, uh, you're just attracted to her, not even just from uh, uh, the, the physical beauty on the outside, but the personal beauty that comes out on the inside. And so Esther ends up becoming the new queen, queen uh, King Xerxes picks her to become the new queen. And it's crazy because pretty much instantly after she comes into this new position, she's given prominence and given uh, 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 a good record to her name because not too long after she's put into the position of queen, there is a plot to kill the king. Someone is, uh, these two guys, they're planning to kill King Xerxes. And what happens is Mordecai, her cousin, finds out about it tells Esther, hey, you got to let the king know. They're, they're trying to kill him. Someone's trying to assassinate him. So Esther lets the king know, gives credit to Mordecai. The assassination plot is foiled. And so you think, man, this is going good, right? Like this, this Jewish girl has been given prominence in the kingdom. She's the queen. And not just that, her cousin, also a Jew, has been the person who discovered this assassination plot. Man, this is fantastic for God's people, right? 
they've got really good examples of themselves in high places in the government. Things are going to go good. And that's where Esther chapter 3 picks up. And we're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to read the whole chapter. This is what it says. After these events, so after Esther becomes queen, and after Esther and Mordecai reveal this assassination attempt, after these events, King Xerxes honored Haman, son of Hamadatha the Agagite, elevating him and giving him a seat of honor higher than all the other nobles. Not exactly what you would be expecting, right? You would think after these events, Mordecai would be elevated, right? This is the guy who foiled this assassination attempt. You would think he would be the one given prominence. No, Haman is given prominence. All the royal officials at the king's gate knelt down and paid honor to Haman, for the king had commanded this concerning him. But Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor. We don't know exactly why that is. Scripture doesn't go in depth on why Mordecai would not bow down and honor Haman. Um, But this is what it says, continuing in verse 3. Then the royal officials at the king's gate asked Mordecai, why do you disobey the king's command? Day after day they spoke to him, but he refused to comply. Therefore, they told Haman about it to see whether Mordecai's behavior would be tolerated, for he had told them that he was a Jew. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor, he was enraged. Yet having learned of who Mordecai's people were, he scorned the idea of only killing Mordecai. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy all of Mordecai's people, the Jews, throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes. So all of a sudden, this moment that looks like it's going to be great, that like, man, God's coming through. Man, is, is God speaking loud and clear? I mean, Esther becomes queen. Mordecai reveals this plot. This is, it's all up and to the right right now, right? Everything is looking good for God's people until Haman comes into the picture. Verse 7, in the 12th year of King Xerxes, in the first month, the month of Nisan, the lot was cast in the presence of Haman to select a day and month, and the lot fell on the 12th month, the month of Adar. Then Haman said to King Xerxes, there is a certain people dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom who keep themselves separate. Their customs are different from those of all other people, and they do not obey the king's laws, and it is not in the king's best interest to tolerate them. If it pleases the king, let a decree be issued to destroy them, and I will give 10,000 talents of silver to the king's administrators for the royal treasury." So the king took his signet ring from his finger and gave it to Haman, the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews, and told him, keep the money and do with the people as you please. So this evil man has just been given all authority and all power to treat the Jews however he wants. God's chosen people, this evil man now has them under his hand. Then on the 13th day of the first month, the royal secretaries were summoned. They wrote out the script of each province and in the language of each people, all Haman's orders to the king's satraps, the governors of the various provinces, and the nobles of the various peoples. These were written in the name of King Xerxes himself and sealed with his own ring. Dispatches were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces with the order to destroy, kill, and annihilate all the Jews, young and old, women and children. On a single day, the 13th day of the 12th month, and to plunder their goods. A copy of the text of the edict was issued as law in every province and made known to the people of every nationality so that they would be ready for that day. The couriers went out spurred on by the king's command, and the edict was issued in the citadel of Susa. The king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city of Susa was bewildered. They were perplexed. They were disturbed at what was happening. 
and rightfully so. Rightfully so. Because all of a sudden, God's chosen people, God's chosen people were marked out for execution. There was a day that was picked. The king's own signet ring was stamping it, saying, hey, this is my approval. Nothing can be done to change this. And the decree was sent out to every single province, every single area of the kingdom, letting them know on this day, we will annihilate, we will kill every single Jew. And God's silent. Did you hear me say God anywhere in there? No. God's quiet. Think of all of the moments that I could have said, but God, in there, right? There, there's so many moments over and over. Um, what, but, but God, why, why, did, why did Haman get honored? Wouldn't it made more sense to, for Mordecai to be honored? He, he foiled this assassination attempt. Why, why was Haman honored? And, and why didn't Mordecai just kneel down? Like we see other points in Scripture where people are allowed to kneel down before kings. Why, why wasn't Mordecai? Couldn't this have all just... God, why were you silent? Why didn't you intervene? Why didn't you stop anywhere in here? Why were you so quiet? And why were you quiet when we needed it the most? Donnie mentioned it in the pre. The book of Esther is one of only two books in all of scripture that never mentions God by name. Think about that. Not one time. Not any mention of God, not any kind of tacit mention to a higher power, nothing. Not only that, there's not a single miracle recorded anywhere in the book. Nowhere. That's one of the reasons I have so been looking forward to this series. It's one of the reasons I couldn't wait to preach on this because, my goodness, is that relatable? Like, is that relatable? I don't know about you, the book of Esther sounds a whole lot more relatable to me than the book of Exodus. Fire falling from the sky, a, a pillar, a cloud by day that you can see walking with you and a pillar of fire leading you at night and plagues and the Red Sea splitting. That all sounds so foreign to me, it sounds like a sci-fi movie. But no mention of God, no miracles, all too often that can feel way too familiar for me. It can feel relatable. So imagine the Jews in this moment they have seen their kingdom fall, they've seen it split, and now this, now they are marked for execution, and they must be thinking, God, where are you? Why are you so quiet? I mean, we, we see over and over again, like I mentioned at the start of the sermon, we see throughout the, the words of the prophets, all the different prophets that God has raised up during periods of time, this same question rise up time and time again. This is from uh, the prophet Habakkuk the prophet Habakkuk, and this is what he says. Um, and he, he was someone who was kind of a contemporary to Esther. He lived about 50, 50 to 100 years uh, after her. But listen to what he says. This is him writing to God. He says, God, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you so silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? Have you been there? Have you felt that? <laughs> Does that resonate with you? God, why are you so quiet? Why do you sit in silence? Are you even there? Are you even there? If you've been following along with my family at All Online, you know that we've been dealing with this issue. Uh, my sister Rachel, her, her husband Aaron has been dealing with 
very serious health issues. These aren't little like, oh, he's just not feeling too well right now. No, it's very serious what he's dealing with, can have lifelong repercussions for him, very, very serious. And we've been dealing with this for a period of time. And if you follow Rachel on Facebook, you've been able to see some of the updates and you've been seeing uh, uh, where things have been. But man, Aaron, there's not like a clear why. (laughs) Like he's in fantastic health. Fantastic health. He's in his mid-40s. He's in great health, so there's not a clear, like, well, man, it's, it's because he was doing this with his life. He drank too much, or he was eating the wrong kind of food, or he smoked too much, and it led to this. It was none of that. A neurological issue. A, a, a weird, weird case of shingles that morphed into some crazy stuff, and it completely has, for this period of time, robbed him of his health. Just completely robbed him of his health. And in the midst of it, whenever we've, uh, uh, Rachel's heard from doctors, and they've been talking to her, it's not been any more helpful. <laughs> if, if you've ever been there when you go to the doctor and you're expecting finally some answers and you walk out of a consultation going, I have more questions than I walked in with. Like, I, I feel like we're on completely different pages here. Doctors seem unsure. They're not really knowing what's going on. And, oh, well, let's talk to this doctor. They'll know. Talk to that doctor. They don't really know what's going on. And it feels like, my goodness, God, where are you? <laughs> like, why are you so quiet? Why are you so quiet? Why aren't you speaking up in this situation? Why, why can't there be this one big moment where like, ha-ha, there it is, the Red Sea moment. <laughs> there it is, the resurrection moment. There it is, the fire from the sky moment that we've been waiting for, and 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 it just doesn't come. God, why are you so quiet? But in the midst of this, and Believe me, me, my family, we have my, my dad, my mom, my grandparents, their example to thank for this. But in the midst of this, because of their example, we've been able to remember, you know what? Just because God is silent doesn't mean he's not present. Just because there is silence right now and we have a lack of God talking, just because there is an abundance of silence doesn't mean there's a lack of presence. He is there. He is there. He is present in this whole situation. And we can see it in our example. We can see it in our lives. And we can see it in the book of Esther. We can see it in Scripture. Even when God's name doesn't come up, he is present. So with that in mind, we can keep encouraged. Tell the person next to you, keep encouraged. Put it in the chat online. Keep encouraged. Hey, say it out loud. Keep encouraged. Keep encouraged. You need to remind yourself of that sometimes. Because turn on the news. We don't live in encouraging times. You need to encourage yourself in the Lord. You need to remind yourself, hey, God may not be loud right now, but that doesn't mean that he is not present. God may be silent, but he is not absent. If you follow God for any period of time in your life, you know that to be true. You know that to be true, that God may be silent, but he's not absent. Um, You've experienced it. You've experienced it. This thing with Aaron and his health, this isn't our first rodeo as a family. We've been down here before. We've been through health crises before. And so because of that, because we've been down this road before and seen God come through, it's caused us to say, hey, we will not forget deliverance in the past due to silence in the present. Like we're, we're not, because right now we're presently experiencing silence, gonna suddenly forget all the times God's delivered us in the past. Because he has. Time and time and time again, he has come through for us in huge ways. And we're not going to forget that suddenly because he goes silent 
apparently to us. We, we took the girls uh, and Griffin, it's the first day of school, and um, we have a tradition. We go out to eat uh, for breakfast for the first day of school, and so we took the kids all to Cracker Barrel. And so we finished eating, and on our way out, it's hard. It's the first, like, they're used to staying up later. This is, like, the first time they're, like, getting up really early in the morning for school, especially because they're driving to the strip and then back, right? So uh, we got up really early, so they're already kind of like, uh, and stuff. And so we're walking out of Cracker Barrel, and if you're a parent, you've got a young kid, you know it's near, it's next to impossible navigating the Cracker Barrel store without buying something. Like, it's just, it just, it's so hard, right? Um, but we're walking through there, and of course, they both ask, can, can we get one thing? Please, just one, just one, just one thing, just one. And we're like, no, no, please, like, you just can't, you can't. We were here not too long ago, and you guys got something, not, not today. And the thing that they said that every kid has uttered, and they're great kids, they're not selfish, but, you know, Every kid said, oh, we never get what we want. <laughs> never. <laughs> we never. <laughs> We're poor and destitute. We never get anything. And all, all that I'm thinking is it's, I'm trying to hold back going like, oh, really? Oh, really? Let's, like, let's list all of the things that we bought for you just in the last month, right? Like, that is so not true. But for some reason, for some reason in that moment, they feel like, you know what, we never get anything. You never get us anything. And it's funny when it's about them and toys, but man, how often do we say the same thing about God? You're always quiet. You never, you never come through. Man, I, I pray and I pray and I pray, and other people see things happen for them, but you never come through for me. You never do this for me. God, you're always quiet. And God's saying, oh, really? <laughs> oh, really? Am I? Can we just look at the last month, all the times I have shown up for you? I'm not quiet. I'm not quiet. Yeah, right. I mean, the Jews in this moment, I mean, imagine, again, whenever they hear this, dispatches were sent by the couriers to all the king's provinces with orders to destroy, kill, and annihilate all of the Jews. Imagine that moment and how terrifying that must have been. And to think, God, you just, are you even listening to us? Do you ever listen to us? Are you ever going to do anything for us? But if the Jews could look past that moment and remember, you know what? I'm not going to allow this present silence to make me forget all of the past deliverance. Because all they have to do is look back at their own history and go, well, <laughs> okay, he, he delivered us from the most powerful empire at the time, the Egyptian empire. He split a sea for us. He led us through the wilderness. He, he gave us our own kingdom. He did all of these incredible things for us. He's come through for us. He'll come through again. If he's done it in the past, he can surely do it in the present. And it's just our own recency bias that things happening in the moment, and we tend to put more weight on that than others. It's our own terrible memory. It's our own downplaying of God's deliverance that throws things off course and makes us feel like, God, you're always quiet. You're always quiet. That is not true. God is faithful. So it's on us to remember and record his faithfulness. That's on us because God is faithful and he is faithful to you. I don't care how hard you've had it. The person who's had the worst hand dealt to them in this room, God has been faithful to, eat, to you. He's been faithful to you. You just need to do a better job at remembering and recording it. Whatever that means, if, you're a, if you like to write things down, get a journal and start recording all the ways that God has come through for you when they happen, in the moment, write it down. One thing I've seen a lot of people start doing is they do Facebook posts because Facebook will bring it up in their memories. 
And it serves as a reminder of, that's right, one year ago, this is where I was, and God came through for me. He came through for me. Record it on your Facebook post. My, my mom, Pastor Brenda, she does uh, uh, stones, little stones to rem- uh, of remembrance. She does a jar a year, and she gets little stones and just writes a few words on them that remind her of all the ways that God has been faithful to her that year. Some people, you get tatted up. You get a tattoo for every time that God does something in your life. Whatever it is, do it. Do it. If it's getting tatted up, man, go across the street to Big Jeff's Tattoos after service and get yourself, get yourself some new ink, right? <laughs> get yourself some new ink. Do what you need to do to remember and record God's faithfulness in your life because he has been faithful. He has been faithful. We can't forget it. He's been faithful and he'll do it again. So you may be in the midst of silence right now, but remember, you have past deliverance. God has come through for you in the past. And not only that, think about this. All of those past moments of deliverance, they had moments of silence. We, we can tend to do the opposite too. Not only do we forget, when we do look back, we tend to only look back glowingly. Oh, remember things were so tough for an hour and then God came through. Like, no, nah. <laughs> That hour was more like three months. (laughs) You just forget it now. You forget how long it took for that breakthrough. You forgot how long God was quiet. And so even those moments of past deliverance, those past moments had moments of silence in them as well. And in the same way that your past moments of deliverance had silence, your present moments of deliverance will have silence. So what if silence is the setup? What if, it's, what, if, what if the silence you're experiencing in your life is the point of it? <laughs> it's the point of it. God wanting you to get closer to him. God wanting you to trust on him more. What if the silence that the Jews were experiencing in this moment was God pulling them in closer? What if the silence is the setup? I, one, of, one of my favorite things is whenever in music or in movies, things kind of get quiet a little bit. <laughs> Because you know that buildup's coming, right? You know, you know that buildup's coming. That's one of the things I love most, dynamics, right? They, they put dynamics in music. They put dynamics in, I mean, we just had it this morning with the, uh, the Battle Belongs song, right? The dynamics, the song builds and it builds and it gets you like amped, right? <laughs> gets you going. I love that. I love that whenever it's in music. I love it whenever it's in movies. I'm a, I'm a comic book movie nerd. Like I'm the MCU, I'm, I'm down with that. Like I, every single one of those things I've seen, right? They're, they're so good. Um, the one, Avengers Endgame. If you haven't seen it, sorry, you can check out, check your phone for the next like two minutes or whatever I talk about it. But if you have seen it, then you're tracking with me. Avengers Endgame, there's, there's the big scene towards the end when Thanos, the big bad guy, he's just beat up on Captain America and Thor and Iron Man, and it looks like, hey, it's game over. Like, this is it. Like, this dude, this dude's inevitable. He's just gonna win. He's gonna do what he wants to do. There's no beating him. And the, guess what happens? The music starts to die down a little bit, and you just hear drums. Do, do. Do, do. Right? And you're like, oh, man. You just, you feel the weight of the moment. I remember being in the theater. Like, I remember it's all, like, quiet, and everyone's just like, whoa. This is, this is intense, Right? And then all of a sudden, you hear in Captain America's ear, you hear Sam say, like, hey, on your right. And you see all these portals start opening, and all the other good guys have just been brought back from, from the dead, all start appearing, and it's crazy. I mean, the, the theater was, like, roaring, just like, whoa, people freaking out and everything like that. And as it's happening, the music's building until it hits its crescendo, and 
boom, the Avengers theme comes through. They charge, the battle starts, and everyone, like people in the theater are like, I'm going to fight. Like, I'm going to fight in the, I'm going to fight in the war too. Like everyone's like amped, just completely amped. And it's all about the dynamics of it, right? Because there was this setup. It wasn't just instantly into it. It was real quiet and it built and it built. And there was something about the dynamics of that, something about the way that it kept building and building before it crescendoed, that it engaged the emotions, it engaged the feelings, it engaged the heart of the people in a theater in a different way than if there wouldn't have been that silence to begin with. So what if silence is the setup? What if silence is the whole point? We see time and time again throughout the biblical narrative periods of just complete silence from God. It just seems like he's not even working anymore. Where you see and you're going like, man, is this the same? <laughs> is this the same God? Like, is this the same God who did the stuff back in Egypt? Because, man, he looks a lot different now. He ain't really doing anything. Like, this, this, is a, this is a wildly different God. And we see these huge periods of silence. We see a period of silence before God moves in a big way to, to rescue his people out of Egypt. We see a period where his people go under slavery for a long period of time. And they're crying out saying, are you here? We thought we were your chosen people. What, what, are, you, what are you doing? There's famously a 400-year period of time between the last prophet speaking, Malachi, and Jesus' birth. 400 years. And we think we've prayed for a week and God hasn't answered us. And we're like, are you ever going to talk again? Right? These people went through 400 years of silence. But silence was the setup. Silence was the setup. In, in Exodus, it was the setup. Before Jesus' birth, it was the setup. And in our life, it is the setup. That's because God is a good director. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. And he is building up the dynamics because they have an effect on you and me. It engages us in a different way when we go through those periods of silence. We get closer to God than we would if it wasn't there. The silence is our setup. So when it is quiet, don't quit. Don't quit when it's quiet. Keep the faith because when it's quiet, you can know God's just building up the dynamic. <laughs> it's just the boom, boom, and he's just building this up. There's about to be portals opening up around me. I'm about to have Captain America come running out, right? Like, it, it's just the buildup. It's just the buildup. So you can keep faith in the moments of quiet because the dynamic is building and you can nudge the people around you just like you do in the theater. I, I saw that movie and then I saw it again with my brother. And so whenever that part's coming up, I'm like, the good part's coming. Like, the good part's coming, right? You can do the same thing in your life. Whenever you're going through the silence and people are like, man, I'm praying for you. I know it's hard. Like, yeah, it seems quiet right now, but the, the good part's coming. I know the good part's coming because it's building up. God is doing something. Silence is the setup cornerstone. We're coming out of a period of silence in a lot of ways, right? We're coming out of it. <laughs> the, the dynamic is building. God is doing something in our church, and you can feel it. You can sense it. In the same way you can sense when that music hits, something's happening. <laughs> you can feel it in our church family. Something's happening. The quiet is turning, and God is building something up. The good part is coming. So that means that when we're in silence, when we're in these periods of silence, we can have faith, and it's not a blind faith. That's, what, that's one of the biggest misconceptions people have about Christians. That's one of the biggest things. People think we just have blind faith with no, no real reason to attach it to anything. We just, we hope. 
We just hope, hope that things are gonna turn out, hope that the quiet will go away at some point. But no, when we're in silence, we can have faith and not blind faith, but a confident faith because God is in control. God is in control, and because he's in control, we can be confident. Have you ever considered this? When you're going through the silent periods in your life, when you're going through the quiet periods in your life, that God can be quiet because God is in control. Have you ever considered that? That maybe the whole reason God is quiet is because he has control of the situation. He has his hand on it. He, he's not worried or flustered or anything. He still has the whole world in his hands so he can be quiet. Have you ever noticed that the louder someone gets, the more out of control they seem, <laughs> right? When someone's flailing in an argument, how often are they even keel? Cool, calm, and collected. It's, no, you're, you're an idiot. I don't know what to tell you. You're stupid. I'm out of here. Like, that's whenever you know, okay. <laughs> yeah, they're not in control right now. <laughs> no, it's the person who's calm, who's steady, who's just, hey, look, I don't know what to tell you. This, this is where I'm at. This is how I see things. That's the person who has control of the situation. So maybe God is quiet because he's in control. Maybe that's the reason the devil seems so loud, because he doesn't actually have control. And so he's waving and doing literally everything he can to seem bigger than he actually is. He is trying to throw you off base. He's trying to sound threatening when he's really not. God doesn't have to do that. He is quiet because he's in control. Have you seen that? <laughs> this is so stupid. Have you seen the meme online? Real G's move in silence like lasagna? No, no, <laughs> that's God, right? <laughs> Seeing the confused looks and the, some people are like, yeah, yeah. Write the word lasagna down, you'll understand it. it you'll, you'll hit you in a little bit. You see, <laughs> God, God moves in silence because he can. God moves in silence, he's quiet because he doesn't need to shout, right? God is quiet because he's in control. So the silence may seem unsettling to you. It's uncomfortable, wasn't it? Yeah. I'm looking around the room. People are like, is his battery dead? I don't see his lips moving up there. That was, that was 10 seconds of silence. 10 seconds. And there was uncomfortable feelings in the room. So I get it. The quiet is disconcerting. The quiet is uncomfortable. But the quiet is a good thing because it means God's in control. You don't need to be scared of it. You don't need to be unsettled. You don't need to be freaked out. God is in control. God's quiet indicates his control. In fact, this series, you may be wondering, the, the, the Silent Symphony, where we even got this name from, like what, what's that mean, Silent Symphony, when God goes quiet? Um, the, the whole point of it, where we got that from, is um, symphonies typically aren't quiet. <laughs> Would you go to pay a, see a silent symphony? Like, no. You go to see the Cleveland Orchestra, you want to hear music. You go to hear the, the New York Philharmonic, you want to hear beautiful orchestration, you, you, want to hear, you want to hear music. But you see, in a symphony, in an orchestra, there is one member who's completely silent the entire time, makes no noise, and they're the most vital person 
involved? The conductor. The conductor is the most important person. He keeps pace, he keeps tempo, he studies the music inside and out. He knows what everyone is supposed to be playing at all times, at each moment, when they should come in, when they should go out. He knows everything. He keeps pace and he doesn't make a noise the entire time. He doesn't even greet the audience. He turns, bows, conducts, bows again. He doesn't say a word and he's the most important, the most vital cog in the entire thing. I say all that to say this, you can rest, you can rest in God's sovereign silence. You can just rest in it. You don't have to freak out. You don't have to worry as long as you are trusting God and actually following him. I'm not, this is not an excuse for people who are just doing your own thing and you wonder why God's not coming through for you. No, if you are actually walking in the spirit, you can rest. You can truly rest because you know, you know what? Even if God is silent right now, it is a sovereign silence. It's a sovereign silence. He has control of this whole situation so I can trust the process. I can be, uh, like it says here at the end of Esther 3, verse 15, it says the couriers were sent out, spurred on by the king's command that uh, the edict was issued in the citadel of Susa, the city of Susa, and the king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city of Susa was bewildered. That literally means they were confused. Like, what is going on here? Why, why is this happening? You can be like the people in that city. You can be confused. I'm not saying God's silence is just like, oh, no, it's wonderful. <laughs> it's wonderful, and I have no idea what's going on, but I'm not going to be confused at all. You can be confused. We still are like, man, why did this happen to Aaron? This is so weird for someone who takes such good care of himself, who's honored God so well. Why is this happening to him? It's confusing, but you can have a confident confusement. <laughs> you can be confident that, you know what, I'm, yeah, I'm confused. I don't know how this is working out, but I'm confident in God, and I'm confident in his control. And so I know that even in the midst of this silence, he's not absent. He's not absent. I'm gonna ask the worship team if they would go ahead and come back up here as we close out. I just wanna let you know, while you're in this period of waiting, while you're in this period of waiting where it feels like, man, I, God's just silent. I'm just sitting around waiting for an answer, waiting for him to say something, and I'm hearing nothing. In these moments of silence, while you're waiting, just remember God is at work. You're waiting, he's working. You're waiting, he is working working. God is silent. He is not absent. So you can take heart and trust in him. I want to pray with you. All right, let's bow our heads and let's pray together. Father God, we're so thankful for the truth of your word. We're thankful for the truth that you lay out in this book that we're studying this series, the book of Esther, that even though you can go silent, you're never absent. And even though we never see your name appear in the book of Esther, we're gonna see in the coming weeks, that does not mean you are not there, that you are working behind the scenes and you are bringing all things together to work for your good. So God, in the midst of that, in the midst of those moments, help us to remember the past ways that you've shown up for us. Help us to remember that the moment of silence we're going through very well could just be the setup to the next way you're gonna deliver us. And God, help us to remember that when you're quiet, it means you're in control. That when you're quiet, it means that you have the situation at hand and in your hand. 
And so we can rest in that, truly rest. Because we know when we obey you, we can leave the outcome to you. So God, help us to take heart, to keep encouraged, and to remember that you and you alone sit on the throne and you never take a day off. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.